Moses in the CIA? I'm Moses, Ken Mosesian. And like my ancestor, I'm all about training individuals, teams, and companies how to lead. Now, I've joined forces with the CIA. I'm Dan Crum, known as the CIA. And I can help you win your best deal every time through my sales training, the CIA method. Join us as we talk about topics of life and business from two unique perspectives. Hello, Ken. How are you this fantastic evening? I am doing fantastic myself. Daniel, how about yourself? There's a thunderstorm outside. What's going on with that? I think it's almost summer. We are where I live. Your pool is probably open all year. Where I live, our pool doesn't open until Memorial Day, which is less than two weeks. Well, actually, Memorial Day is two weeks from tomorrow, but Memorial Day weekend is when it actually opens. So it's less than two weeks. So I'm getting excited. Thunderstorms are an indication that something is on the horizon, which is summer. So I'm super excited by that. So well, it's a, it's 105 degrees here in Phoenix today, Dan. So our pool is definitely open. I'll awesome. tell you that. Yeah. So tonight it's on you. What does that even mean? I don't know. I'm checking right now. There's nothing on me. We're going to talk about delegation today. We're going to talk about delegation and delegation gets a bad rap. Delegation is usually seen as just scraping stuff off your plate onto the plates below you. If we take kind of a hierarchical look at companies, uh, stuff that is piling up on my plate, I want to get rid of. And so I scrape it onto the plates below. And there's a couple of challenges with this approach. Number one is that people can feel resentful. Like, why am I getting all this stuff offloaded on me? And I say that because oftentimes it doesn't happen with an explanation. It's like, just take this, just do this. The second reason is that seldom is it used, is delegation used as a means to grow and develop your team. It's not really used for training and education. And I'll add a, I'll add a third one in here. The phrase, if you want a job, job done right, do it yourself, is something that I hear a lot from clients that I coach and consult with. And yet, you can't grow or scale a company if you do it all yourself. It's just not a mantra that you can use to actually advance the company because there's one you, there's only so many hours in the day. And if your approach is to do everything yourself, you are never, ever going to be able to advance. And you're never going to be able to turn to the future as a leader and do the thing that is most important, which is to create what's next, to look at the future. You're not going to be able to do that because you're going to be so, so ingrained in the day-to-day operation. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. Well, Ken, it is on you, right? Because it's all your fault. And I've said that before. If you listen to these podcasts, you've heard me say that before. To me, that is the most freeing statement that somebody could ever remind me of. It's on me, right? It's all your fault. And I think when you start taking full responsibility for your life and everything in it, it is a freeing thing to think about because you don't have to passively wait. You're not subject to circumstances. You don't have to wait on other people. So as the person 
I'll assume in this example that I'm being delegated to, I need to take whatever I'm responsible for and I need to not have one foot in, one foot out. Like, I guess maybe I need to embrace it and accept it fully and see it as my responsibility. But what goes along with that territory is communication. So whoever delegates something to me, and now I get to say, it's on me, and it's all my fault if it works, and if it doesn't, I need to communicate that with the person who delegated that to me, right? So I need to say, if this goes well, who gets credit, right? And if this doesn't go well, who's to blame? And um, I would make a case for to say, I'd like you to give it all to me, right? Like put it all on my shoulders, hold me accountable, hold me responsible for that. And again, that's freeing. That doesn't mean you can't ask for help. That doesn't mean you can't hold a team accountable, but there's a term like the buck stops here. It's like, there is a person who is on the chopping block if it goes poorly, right? But there's also the person who should be rewarded if it goes well. So you, you know that it's all on you. Yeah, hundred percent. So the the challenge is that most people aren't as advanced as you are, and that stuff has to be spelled out. And frankly, Dan, the person doing the delegating is oftentimes not as advanced as you are. And so, what I always tell people is, look, if you're going to delegate something to someone, do it for a reason, and let them know what the reason is, and that that reason hopefully does something to help advance them. It could simply be taking responsibility for a portion of a project and seeing it through to completion. And that, like you said, if it succeeds or if it fails, it's on them. They're 100% responsible. I often say, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And it's the same thing. You're 100% responsible for your life, for the project, for whatever goes on. And there is a freedom that comes with that. Right, because if you're responsible, then you have the opportunity to produce the outcome that you want. So, number one, if you're delegating, you've got to let people know why, put a purpose and a reason to it, and use it as an opportunity to teach. The second piece is that they need to know the parameters. Dan, this project is due a week from Friday. By 5 p.m., that's when it's due. Here's what I have to have, a report that has A, B, and C clearly delineated in it. So you have a timeline, you have the deliverables, and then the third piece is to ask the person if they understand, and this is, again, where stuff has a tendency to fall apart. Because if... I'm intimidated by my boss. And she says to me, are you clear? My response is probably going to be yes, I understand, even if I have no clue. And my thought is I'll figure it out later because I don't want to look stupid or I don't want to look like I don't understand or get something. And so my counsel is always to say, I'd like to hear you say back to me what I just assigned to you. Tell me in your own words what you believe you're responsible for when it's due, and all the components in it. And then you can actually true up and align. And then the final piece is what you mentioned, that responsibility. And this is the piece that doesn't get said. You are now 100% responsible. You own this. I'm literally handing over the keys to the car to you. It's yours. You own it. 
and take res- and and it's your responsibility. And so, so at that point, yeah, you can come to me and ask for help if you need it, but it's not like you're doing something for me. It's now yours. And it's that last piece that I have found to be the most eye-opening for people and the thing that really shifts how they feel about having something delegated to them. I'm no longer just doing Ken's work. I am now doing my work on a project that Ken assigned me. I think that's the, that's the difference. And like you said, that saying, if you want something done right, do it yourself. I think it's very difficult um, to separate my first point of taking full responsibility. So let's just say you're the manager in this example. Um, the buck does stop with you. You are 100% responsible for your team. And you have somebody likely you report to unless you're the owner of the business. So it's very difficult to trust your team and to delegate and then hand over 100% responsibility because you probably have some historical knowledge to say, gosh, this person, you know what I mean? They don't usually do it as well as I could do it. Should I just do it myself? Should I really give them an opportunity to prove themselves? They didn't prove themselves. There's all this stuff that comes along with the ride of actually handing over and accepting that you're handing it over completely. And even though managers will make statements like, yep, uh, I'm here if you need me, the tendency is to micromanage. So just be aware if you're in the position of delegation, that when you hand something off and when you hold them accountable and you're holding them responsible for the outcome, that you are an asset available when asked, right? And I think it's acceptable to check in, but if you check in, I think you need to state that upfront, almost like the parameters and the rules. Just like Ken said, you might want to say, this is due by this date. Here's what the, here's what success looks like. Um, you also need to say, Hey, if I don't hear from you, I'm going to be checking in every so often, right? You come up with a thing like maybe once a week, I'm going to check in with you just to see how it's going to remind you again that I'm available for help. But where you see it going wrong and it not really handing over and giving them responsibility is when you see this person not having complete trust in the person they delegated to and checking in too often or telling them how to do it. Have you really handed it over? Have you really delegated? Or are you that person who has one foot in, one foot out? You're like, ah, I still want to, I have to make sure this is successful, right? Sometimes I think you need to give people a fair shot at it. Um, many companies, I think, do this really well. They'd call it different things, but it's like a career action plan. And it reminds me of this, which is if this person that you manage in this example ever wants to develop in their career, they may have aspirations of being you one day, right? Like being the manager. And if those are their career aspirations or goals, then it's incumbent upon you as the manager first to know that, ask about it, learn about that. But you need to be able to delegate some of your responsibilities so they can learn what it's like. You know what I mean? So they can develop their skills and learn what it's like to be in your shoes and do what you do. So some of the stuff that you do that you could probably do way better than them because you have experience with it. You need to start delegating to give them a chance to show that they're now ready or capable and moving in the direction of eventually becoming the manager themselves. Right. And, and several great points in there. Trust is never going to be built unless you start delegating. It will never happen because there's no way that they can prove themselves. And I would also add that it's really incumbent upon companies to think about the kind of culture 
they've created that's going to support this kind of work. So by way of example, I, I talk about culture as how work gets done based on values. And one of those values, let's just say it's trust. Well, what does that actually look like? Well, it looks like me as the manager handing something off to you, my team member, and trusting that you're going to follow it through, that if you're having problems with it, you're going to come to me, and also knowing that failure might happen. And in fact, failure is going to happen. There's no such thing as a 100% successful company. We get to success by having failures. And so there, there has to be a culture that supports that notion of fail fast, learn from it, and, and move forward, right? Without that, if somebody doesn't feel like they can, that they can fail or they can make a mistake, they're never going to want to embrace something and fully try it. And you can establish whatever parameters those are. If you're watching on video, you see I'm making a frame with my fingers if you're not, I'll tell you right now, I'm making a frame with my fingers. You want to be able to frame something up so within the parameters that someone's given, they know they have free reign to operate. That's how they start taking on the mindset of ownership. And that's what we're really talking about cultivating here. The mindset of an owner, that notion of 100% responsibility. That's where trust starts to grow and build and develop. And that's when you start building up a team that, like Dan said, you may not fully trust now, but you'll be able to trust. And I always talk about this 180 degree turn. If your eyes are always focused on your team, overseeing them, micromanaging them, getting down in the weeds with them, you'll never be able to turn 180 degrees, look at the future and think about the strategic plan you need to be creating for your department or for your company if you're the CEO. It's just never going to happen. And so an essential part of that is being able to actually let go, right? When you hand over, not only do they take it, but you actually have to fully give it. You can't have like a, a cord that you're still hanging on to. Otherwise you suddenly, you know, become Become like a very high paid administrative assistant to them, still checking in. How are you doing? How's it going? What's happening? I would rather you establish those parameters in the beginning. If it's a month long project, I want to check in once a week. I want you to push the information up to me. This is about developing teams that are going to set you up for success. And the only way that's going to happen is if you develop trust with them. Trust, I, I know, is a very, very difficult thing. So one of my approaches, uh, whether this be a consulting client or um, if I'm responsible for people, is I let them know right off the bat that um, you start with my full trust. That doesn't mean you have complete autonomy to do whatever you want, but you start where I trust you completely. So when, you, when I ask you a question and you tell me the answer, I believe you're telling me the truth without any doubt associated with it until you prove otherwise, which I hope you never do. Right. But I want to start off by saying, uh, I, I'm not going to ask you twice. I don't need to ask you twice. If I ask you a question, I expect the truth. Um, and I don't doubt that. Right. So we're going to start with this really great position. When it comes to autonomy um, or parameters, um, I think these are, this is an added level of trust to just like we speak truth to each other. We tell each other the truth back and forth. It's, um, 
inevitably in anything that's delegated, it does not follow the plan, right? I, I love that saying. I think I said it a couple of podcasts ago, how to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So in business, you, uh, you delegate something to somebody and you could even, if they've never done it before, you might, as the manager, tell them the plan, right? Like, here's how it's going to go. It's going to be like this and this and this and this. Inevitably, it will not go like that, right? Somewhere it's going to veer off course. So I think you start off with telling them where they have autonomy. So you say, okay, the couple things might arise, this, this, that, or whatever. And as you go through the list of what may come up, you say, and if that comes up, you don't even need to check in with me. Here's what you're allowed to do without even asking my permission. You're allowed to make this decision, make this adjustment, do this, whatever. If something we haven't previously discussed comes up and you just don't know what to do, please come to me and I, I, I'll first ask your opinion. I want to give you this autonomy. If I'm going to hold you accountable, I need to first start with trust and I need to set parameters and I need to pre-frame or plan in advance what may or may not come up. But I have to know that it's not going to go according to plan. And I don't want to leave you in a position where you're like, oh, crap, I feel awkward going back to the person who delegated this to me and feeling like I'm not doing a good job because this isn't going to plan. And they feel responsible for it not going to plan. So I think you as the person delegating need to tell them, listen, I will be amazed if this goes exactly as planned because most things do not. So I don't know where it'll veer off course, but it will. Right. So expect that. And when it does. Here's a couple of things that might happen. And when it does, you have the freedom. You have the autonomy. This is still on you. Make decisions. Here are the parameters of which you can make decisions without asking any permission. And if it's something you have no idea, please come to me. And again, I still will give you that responsibility. And I will still see as you doing good work and a good job to complete this, even when it goes off course, because inevitably it will go off course. And, and the the great thing that happens in that um, twofold. Number one, if you give somebody parameters uh, of, of, of what they can do without having to come back to you, then they have, they have agency. And that is one of the most important things in not only developing trust, but in developing someone as a human being, knowing that they have choice. The second piece in that uh, and it's kind of a subset of it, but it's it's particularly true if there's expenditures. It's like, look, any expenses a thousand dollars or less, you're good to go. As long as you can justify them, you don't have to come to me and ask. And that way you won't be bothered all the time for those things. But the third thing, and the piece that I think really matters, Dan, is is what you talked about with things not going to plan. We still have the desired outcome that we want. That's the thing that we're going after. If we're going to zig or zag, or if we thought we we're going to go A to B and we end up going A to D, it's okay. Because the thing that the person gets to learn is critical thinking. I want you to start thinking through how all of this is going to work in order for us to get to the desired end result and work back from there. And if something goes south, then that's okay. What can you do to still get to the de desired end result that we had talked about? What's the way to get there? And that is such an extraordinary skill for people to start to develop. And frankly, for you as a boss to be able to coach on, for you to be able to talk about with the person that you're leading. Without that, they're, they're never going to be able to replace you. You talked about, yeah, you want to raise people up. Somebody's going to actually be there to like be the next you. 
but that person can never step into that role unless they develop critical thinking skills. And the best way for them to develop those is to have something go off the track and have to get it back on track again as they're heading for that final desired outcome. So to wrap this up, my encouragement to anybody listening is to find something in your life that you can delegate and follow the principles and the lessons that hopefully we provided you today, right? And it could be something, it doesn't have to be in your professional life. It could be in your personal life. And it could be something as simple as uh, if you have children delegating something that you're like, no, I'm just the person who always brings out the trash. And you say, you know what, I'm going to hold one of my kids accountable for taking out the trash. And you can decide whether you compensate them for that, or that's just part of being in the family. Whatever it is, just come up with something. You're like, I just always do that and say, you know what? I'm going to give somebody else this responsibility. And um, I think you'll start to see that translate in other areas of your life. There's a principle that applies here, which I'm always not great at following. And it really comes down to other factors like, do you enjoy it? or other, other positive benefits, but it's, it's looking at your life based on an hourly rate. I know that's very logical and a lot of people don't like that, but it's going, okay, my time is worth X based on when I perform my professional life. You know what I mean? Like you backtrack on it and you kind of calculate what your hourly rate is. So you ask yourself the same question, in your personal life, right? You say, you know, um, if I ask somebody else to mow my lawn or ask somebody else to clean my house or whatever it may be, um, what do I pay them? And what I'm hanging them is less than my hourly rate, then that might be worth delegating, right? In that sense, hiring somebody else to do what you could be doing. What comes into play there is like, for example, I used to always delegate mowing my lawn. And then I read an article and I found it to be true is that it's very good for you to kind of get out and nature. And you said that sense of completion and you feel really good about doing something like that. So even though it doesn't equate with this hourly rate thing, it's something that I picked back up on that I priorly delegated. So encouragement, find something you do now. Could be in your personal or professional life. Do that little quick calculation, and then maybe you delegate it, and then you find more and more things you can delegate, and then you get to be better at managing your life. Thank you for listening. To learn more, check out MosesInTheCIA.com. To learn more about Ken Mosesian, check out Mosesian.com. To learn more about Dan Crum, check out Dan Crum dot com. Mm-hmm.